Father, again, we just thank you for everything you're doing in our hearts and our lives. We thank you for watching over our families, over our nation. Father, we just thank you for the next couple of days and weeks and months that th- great things are going to be happening for the church, his kingdom, his glory. Father, I just thank you for doing great things, that this is just the beginning of something great that you're doing in America. I thank you for all our leaders. I thank you for giving them godly wisdom. Father, we pray for our nation, and we just thank you for putting your hand upon it. Father, I thank your hand is upon our nation, that you're just going to do great things, that you're going to breathe into this situation, and then you're going to mean it for good. What the devil meant for evil, God, you're going to mean it for good. And Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you for today, for being us together, gathered to heck together here today. I thank you for doing all the great things that you're doing in our hearts and our lives. And Father, we just give you all the glory and honor and praise. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Man, what a day. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to Judges chapter 3. I just want to thank you for coming this morning. I know a lot of churches have canceled. Uh, keep your eye out on Facebook and social media, and we'll let you know as the, fur- as the weeks uh, progress, as in what our situation is here at the church. Again, we said that we're going to be praying from uh, 8 to 9 every, every morning, so there'll be, the church will be open. So if you're off work, if your plant's shut down or something has disrupted your um, work schedule, you can know you can come over here from 8 to 9. The church will be open. If you want to bring your family here, we got plenty of property. The neighbors even use this property, which is such a blessing uh, to see people use the parking lot. Their kids run around and ride big wheels and everything, so it's exciting. Also, uh, in the evening from 7 to 8, we'll have the church open for those people who just get off work, eat dinner, and want to come and pray. The reason we're doing that is we want to have an opportunity to pray for our nation. You know what I'm saying? Because we need to pray for our nation and pray for what's going on. We do want to understand that we do want to respect our leaders because that's how God established it. You know, we want to respect our government. And when they say, hey, this is what the perimeters are, we want to respect that. You know what I'm saying? And we we thank God and we pray for our military and our leaders. Amen. And so uh, just know that's how uh, as the weeks come, again, uh, you'll get information via uh, email or Facebook. Facebook and all of that. Um, next week, uh, Margaret, are we still doing servant evangelism? You want to announce that real quick, what we're, we'll be doing? Well, hopefully we've ordered um, a couple of hundred uh, miniature sanitizer bottles. So they're supposed to be here buying anything else. So we'll meet here at the church and hand those out. If we don't get those in time, we'll do something. So, Amen. So pray for Amazon. <laughs> to bring our hand sanitizer. Isn't that an awesome opportunity to go out and evangelize? Has it not been the greatest time to evangelize? I'm telling you, I made these, yeah, Margaret's all like, whoop, whoop, whoop. I I love giving out New Testaments, and that's an old school thing. Like back when I first got saved, like I wanted, I became a youth pastor and I loved giving out New Testaments. Thank God for my father-in-law because as soon as I got saved, my father died when he was 40 years old. And so I was a preteen. And then throughout the years, God had a a calling on my life. I get saved my senior year in high school. I meet Melissa at a youth camp. And then all of a sudden, Melissa introduces me to her family. And then her father, which he comes here, Larry, became my father, my spirit spiritual father. And so he sowed in my heart evangelism. My father-in-law, I remember the earliest memories where we used to have what's called Pritchard Park. Now it's, it used to be where the buses are and there used to be people that were homeless that would get ran over at a regular basis. Asheville wasn't like it is now. It wasn't a foodie capital. It was like a really rough place. And I remember my earliest memory of starting to date Melissa is my father-in-law. And you know, Larry, if you know, if you've been here to church, he's very quiet. But when he starts evangelizing, he would jump up on the fountain there and start preaching the gospel. And it would be like, I mean, it would be so Holy Spirit led. It wasn't condemnation. It was the word. And I would see people get saved. And so that started doing something in my heart. And Larry, like, taught me how to be an evangelist. And so we would go and pass out Bibles, New Testaments, old school stuff, like tracks. You know what a track is? I'm not talking about something a train rides on. I'm talking about a track where it's like an evangelistic little piece of paper. And we would pass those things out and we would give Bibles. And to this day, I still do that personally. And so uh, you talk about this week has been such a great week, has it not? 
I'm telling you. Like this, everywhere I go, you hear people talk about this epidemic. They're stressed out. I mean, I went to Ingalls, and while I walked in, I was like, what's going on? Like, I, we, we live, we got teenagers, so we don't have a, a, an ample supply of food. Like my kids, if they were here today, I think one of them's here today, he would say, there ain't no food in this house. And so because every three days we go to the grocery store. So we don't hoard up food. And so I just go to buy your normal stuff. And I go and I'm like, Lord have mercy, where are all these people coming from? And I went to get toilet paper. And guess what? All the toilet paper was gone. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Now, if you got a bunch of toilet paper, just give me your number at the end of service. And I'll just be calling. Like, send my son over to get a couple rolls. We were actually going to start giving rolls out this morning. Wouldn't that be a great? She got a roll in her hand. So anyways, I made these New Testaments and I put, see, this is for my generation. Some of you millennials and some of you younger folks will all know who this person is. That said, France, you know, Fred uh, Sanford, remember Fred Sanford's son? And so I put a sticker that says, God loves you, you big dummy. And so like, you know, don't you remember when Fred Sanford would be like, you big dummy. Don't you remember? So I made these stickers to put on the front of the New Testaments because most people don't want like a New Testament when you just hand them a New Testament. But it has something funny on it. You'd be amazed as people are like, can I have a couple of those to give my friends? I'm like, sure. And so you would be amazed on the conversations I've had this week where people are in, even in Ingalls, these people in Ingalls line like, why is he, this is crazy. They want to talk to somebody. You notice that? Everybody in line wants to talk to somebody. Great, great opportunity. To sit there and to tell somebody about the gospel. And I'm like, hey, I've got, I've got the cure for your fear. Like, what are you talking about? Yes, it's Jesus. What? Jesus? I thought you were talking about they came up with a, you know, a, a solution to the problem. I said, there was. It is. His name is Jesus. And the interesting thing is also just a, it's not a time to, you know, it's not product. I'm telling you, I got these little metal crosses. I've always had these two. I know this sounds so, so, so silly and cliche like these little aluminum crosses there are a ton of them out there and i'm telling you just take a couple handfuls if you don't do new testaments just take some little crosses and then when give them to your kids your kids will be like passing them out you know you can hand sanitize them before you hand them out you know whatever you need to do but it's a great opportunity just to have a conversation about jesus because i'm telling right now this nation everybody's fearing everything and like you'll see in these next weeks to come, you'll see fear amp, you know, amplify and get crazy and news and all of that. You'll see people on Facebook and you'll see the funny stuff and you'll see the serious stuff and you'll see people debating and you'll see polit- the, politi- the politics go out the roof on Facebook. I'm just encouraging you and challenging you guys. If you use social media, just preach Jesus right now. Not your opinion, not your political stance, not, you know, anything, you know. Just bless the people and let them know that Jesus is the answer. Because He is, you know, and what you think might be the simplest, goofiest thing, you'd be amazed. And God can use it as an opportunity to reach somebody's heart. Amen. So I pray that we receive all that hand sanitizer and that you guys come out. And we did take precautions. Remember, you did have your communion in a plastic cup. And don't throw stones at us if you go after her here and get you a Starbucks coffee or go get dinner. <laughs> you know, like, I, don't, I can't believe they got communion. We put it in a little sanitary cup for you guys. We did offer in this way so we didn't pass the bucket because some people still live in a place. And you got to be careful not to condemn people. Boy, i got to get on the sermon. But you got to be careful because we, as believers, you know, you don't go to a Jewish, Jewish person's house with pork chops, do you? Why? Because of what we call respect. And if somebody, what the Bible says, Paul talked about weak constitution. If somebody has a different belief than you do, be careful not to try to be super holy and say, well, this is where we, this is how you should be living. You, you know, and, and degrade and condemn somebody because shame on you if you do that, because that's definitely not a good representation. That's not a good representation of Access Church. So, and if you come to church here, just be a little bit on the respectful side because we're trying to reach this community for Jesus, not for you. And so I'm just telling you that just to be respectful because those people who didn't have church today, they didn't have church today. You hear what I'm saying? And there might get to a place where the governor says, hey, there's no churches to happen at all. No public assemblies like this. I have somebody starting to clap. (laughs) 
But if, if that happens, then what we'll do is we got life groups. It doesn't mean that you can't meet with some groups of people and have church. That's what church is. Church isn't just a building. You are the church. Go have church with your family. Go call some people in your life group. Go call some people here and say, hey, let's, we'll, we'll be on video. We'll do something. So, you know, if they shut the church down the next couple of weeks, we'll be on social media somehow. You know what I'm saying? So be careful. Use wisdom and what? Common sense. Remember my little story about the guy, you know, and he's, and he's praying, God, you know, and he hears about a storm coming. God, send your help. And the people come on a four-wheeler and say, hey, get on the four-wheeler. And he goes, you've little faith, go, go with your earthly devices. I'm waiting for God. I've prayed for God. And then the four-wheelers drive off and it starts raining more. Water starts to develop around his house. It gets to his porch. He's praying, God, please, please send the help. Send your, send your angels. Send the help. And then all of a sudden his friends, his neighbors are in a canoe. They're like, hey, man. And they come up to his porch and they're in a canoe. Get in the canoe. He goes, no, you little faith, you weak faith. Get this canoe out of here. I'm waiting for God. And then he goes in the house and he sees the water gets into the porch, gets into the house. He goes upstairs. It starts even rising more. He gets up on the roof and he's praying, God, please, please send your help. I need a miracle. Send your angels. The water gets above the roof. A helicopter comes and says, hey, you down there, dummy, climb up the ladder. And he goes, leave, leave. And remember, I can't swim. He didn't go to Y to get classes to swim, drowns, blah, 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 blah. He's dead as a doornail. He's laying there. He hears the angels and the music. Ah. He opens his eyes and he's like, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus is calling his name. And then finally he sees Jesus and he says, Jesus, I had faith in you. Where were you? And Jesus says, I sent the four wheeler. I sent you the canoe. I even sent you the helicopter. But Jesus, I believed in you. Yeah, you have to have faith, but you have to have a little common sense. You got to have common sense, folks. If you got to use hand sanitizer, use hand sanitizer. Don't go licking handrails and doorknobs or something, you know. I mean, be wise and don't make other people feel like they don't have faith. Those people who didn't come to church today, don't turn around and condemn them for having a lack of faith. Because probably they don't need to hear that right now. They need you to pray. And if they hear you say that, they're going to think that you're a punk anyway. And then they're going to turn off any voice that you have in their life. Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm not there just to preach on that. No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We're starting a sermon series. Look in your Bible, Judges chapter 3, verse 31, against all odds. And so the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter, we only have like five weeks, four or five weeks till Easter. Each week's going to be talking about the odds. Do you know that there's a lot of odds that we face in our life? A lot of things come against us and there's odds. There's odds for you to succeed. There's odds that you might develop a a health issue. There's always these odds. Just like even this past Thursday, there was a life group here that talked about uh, mindful eating and how to eat healthy. And one of the statistics, and it was funny, it was odds, it was statistics. Statistics and odds are kind of the same thing. They can statistically look at your life. And one of the fascinating things that I thought was just out of this world is the number leading, number one reason that people die is because of their diet. It isn't cancer. It isn't all these things. It's how you eat. And so this person showed us all this stuff that we pollute our bodies and that if you just eat a plant-based diet, whoop, whoop, all my people who are in that class, if you eat plant-based diet, you start living healthier and it will beat the odds. Isn't that crazy? But if you eat right, you stay fit, guess what? You still die. 10 out of 10 still die. (laughs) And so you got to understand that you can do things, but you still have odds. And so these next couple of weeks, we're looking at what are the odds of Jesus being the Messiah? You would be amazed on the odds that were against Jesus being Messiah. 
The the odds of Jesus being Messiah is like having the whole world with silver coins and there just be one coin that is gold and that person, Jesus, having to reach in all them coins and pick out one gold coin. It is astronomical. It is almost like endless that how could Jesus be the Messiah with all these odds, all these prophecies that the Jewish uh, culture even put in waiting for their Messiah. And he fulfilled every one. Isn't that crazy? He beat the odds. And we know it all leads up to the day of Easter when Jesus rose from the dead. And that was the greatest odd. That was the greatest thing that was against Jesus. And we all know we celebrate because he defeated death, the grave, and hell. And isn't that in itself, you're like, like today. So today we're starting it off by you to understand about you. Because right now, you to understand about you, there's always odds working against you. Did you know that? There's always odds. If you don't think so, listen to some of your friends. Have you ever had a friend who goes, uh, you tell them something and they go, well, I don't know. You ever said like, hey, I think we're going to get a new car. And your friend goes, uh, I don't know about that. You ever had a friend that's not really a good friend? You ever told somebody that God was doing something in your life and you felt like God had a call in your life and you tell your friends and your friends like, I could never see you really preach. You ever had somebody do that? So there's always odds against you. And we're looking in a scripture that is fascinating because in Judges chapter 2, this is where we're at. Judges chapter, uh, Judges chapter 3 actually, verse 31. This is the most famous portion of scripture of an oddity of a person who faced odds that were astronomical. But you've got to understand who this person was. Chapter 3, uh, 30, verse 31 of Judges. After Ehud came, Shamgar son. you got to understand about, about Ehud. Do you know who Ehud was? Ehud is the greatest thing. You, you talk about Bible. The reason I'm so passionate about the Bible is you ever really read the context of the Scripture, you would understand that this book from the Old Testament New Testament is a crazy, crazy story. And it's not, fi- it's not fiction. It's not fake. It's reality. So there was a, a Jonah who was swallowed by a fish. We say whale, but it was a great fish. We know that Jonah was inside the fish. And all the acids started to eat around his body and bleach him. And all of a sudden this fish went and threw him up on the shore. Remember the story. And he came all bleached. Don't you remember? That is the, that's the true facts. There was a Noah who built a huge ark. Who took all the animals that were brought by God. God brought the animals to be put into this ark. Even God was so meticulous and knows so much about science. That how it was created. It held everything from unclean animals to clean animals. To where we even call those things that were unclean. What we would recognize as what? Dinosaurs. You know that kind of. Isn't that fascinating? All these stories. And you look at Shamgar and you look at Ehud. Ehud, if you read the chapters before, Ehud, there was this, there was this king who was suppressing him. And it's, it's a great story. And it says that he was so large. And Ehud was sent to take the king's life. And Ehud took a, a spear, like it was like a spear, like it would, what would classify like a spear that was made like into a dagger. It was about a foot long. It was double-edged. And he put it on his right thigh. And as he was going to bring the message to, of the Lord to this king, the king had went upstairs. It's a great story. Read it. I mean, it is like, you're like, this isn't the Bible. How gruesome. <laughs> This horrific, this king, this huge king is up using the latrine. He's relieving himself. Read what the scripture says. He's using the restroom. Ehud comes in. And as he's being frisked, they always frisk you at the door. They always frisk you. But Ehud was what? Left-handed. So his sword, his little short sword was on his right thigh. So they always knew most soldiers were right-handed. And they kept their swords on there. Do you get it? And so they're patting him down. And they don't pat down to where his sword is on his right thigh. So as, as, as the king's up there using the bathroom, Ehud comes up and says, I got a message of the Lord. He pulls his short sword, the sword off his thigh, 
stabs Ehud, or no, Ehud stabs a king, and it says he was so large that, that the fat went over the hilt, the end of the sword. <laughs> ah! That's in the words. Okay, that's too, like I just saw a teenager go, yeah. But that's reality. Can you imagine that? And so you see all of this pandemonium. You see all of this intensity that's going on in this portion of history where Israel or God's people are now being totally always controlled. And God's so always trying to liberate them. And he always uses, listen, he'll always use those people that look like the odds are against them. Have you ever felt like the odds are so against you that you don't know if you're going to succeed? Have you ever been in that place? We don't want to admit it. Do you know that there's a measure? Listen, there's a measurement of transparency and vulnerability. Just with you being transparent doesn't mean that you are vulnerable. Just for you confessing, hey guys, I'm just being real transparent here, that is manageable. You only manage so much transparency. I don't want to get too deep into this because this will whole take us down the rabbit trail because just you being transparent, just for you, just the same way. If you just ask for forgiveness or say you're sorry, I'm sorry, honey, that I didn't pick up my clothes. I promise you I will do that tomorrow. Tomorrow comes and your underwear is still in the floor. Just saying you're sorry doesn't mean it what? Changes. Just being transparent and saying, hey, this is reality. Just being transparent doesn't mean it's changing. But being vulnerable is where the heart changes. Being vulnerable is beyond transparency because vulnerability cannot be managed by you. Did you know that? We were taking a group of men this coming Friday, this coming weekend to Men's Encounter, where they would learn about what it really means to be vulnerable. Not just transparent. Transparent is always managed by a person. But vulnerability is saying, hey, this is where I am and I need Jesus. And so God is trying to get his people to understand about vulnerability. And to understand that the odds will always be against you. The odds will always be against you. And you've got to understand that that is an okay thing. Because if God is for you, who can be what? Against you. How many times have you felt like the, the deck is stacked against you and you've gotten so discouraged and God still comes through? And so you see Ehud, you see in this moment of time, there came someone named Shamgar, son of Anth, who struck down. Now listen to this. This is what's so crazy. Shamgar, son of Anth, listen, struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Now, to me, that is bad. And I'll get into what it means that this is bad. He, too, saved Israel. Me and Ehud saved Israel. Now, God's going to use him to what? To also save Israel. You've got to understand the times that Ehud had left and there was, there was uh, conflict. He helped Israel. Then came Shamgar. And then all of a sudden, you can see that the nation was being oppressed by Jabin, king of Canaan. It says, because he had 900 chariots filled with iron. Listen to this. Filled with iron, had cruelly opposed the Israelites for 20 years they cried to the Lord meaning that there was no weapons for Israel there was nothing for the Israelites there they were in total control people were afraid to use the highways because of oppressors can you imagine even the state that we're in now you're not afraid to use the highway these people were afraid it says it was a chaotic times in the days of Shamgar son of Ath in the days of Jerel it says uh, Jael the highways were abandoned. Travelers took winding paths. Villagers of Israel would not fight. They held back until Deborah arose, until I arose, the mother of Israel. That's in the same portion of scriptures later on. You would say, well, who was this Shamgar? I mean, if there was perilous times, it doesn't mean that Shamgar, now listen to his profile or listen to who he was. He was basically a farmer. You ever been in a place where you just feel like, I'm not anything special. God wants to use you in a special way. Shamgar was a farmer. 
He was also a Canaanite convert. He was from Bethel, Bethel Anath, the northern east of Israel. So you got to understand that he wasn't from the best side of the tracks. You ever felt like that where you like, that's, that's like even with teenagers, you look at them and they can say, well, we're, we, we don't have this and we don't have that and we are not this and we're not that. And God uses people when they are the basic people. God uses people that are just basic. You see, you, you think that God uses the, well, I'm not that good looking. You know, God uses the real good looking people. You know, that's just bizarre. Also, you got to have money to be, to be impactful. And you got to have, uh, you know, you got to have all these degrees. And he's, and he's basically just using people that are common. It also says in the New Testament that two men turned the world, what? Upside down. He, was a, he had a warrior spirit. And he fought for the things that what mattered. Has anybody ever said, well, you are just a person who fights for the underdog? You ever have been one of those people that just want to fight for those people that are injustice? And, you know, it's like against, you know, you, you want to speak out for the one who's being picked on. Remember those times that you just wanted to step up when you would be in grade school and some bully was picking on somebody and you just wanted to step up? You just want to say, don't treat them like that. You don't remember that? That was Shamgar. He, he wanted to fight for justice. He had an incredible sense of destiny as he fought to save Israel from their oppressors. So you see the times. The times are bad. People are fearful. There's nothing, no cure. There's no answer to their dilemma. And then all of a sudden, God starts to put in this person's heart who's just a common person, not real good looking, from the wrong side of the track. He was just a basic farmer. What were the odds? Listen to the odds. Shamgar had no military training. There was no training. He had no weapons. He had no battle experience. He had no state-of-the-art weaponry. Can you imagine 600 people with one person? 600 people. Do you know that God uses that to where he will, he will make the odds always against you? And you would say, oh, it's the devil. The devil's got the, the devil. He's rolling the odds against me. It's the devil. No, God wants the odds to be so out of your favor that it only can be by him that you win the victory. Well, you don't understand how big this problem is. The devil made the problem. What if God was like, well, this is how big it's going to get because if you... Win the battle, then you can say it was by your strength and by your ability. So God increases the size. 600 people. That's 600 to 1. Shamgar's a farmer. He don't even have any experience in, in fighting anybody. Except some weeds in his garden. 600 people. Have you ever had... Like a bully come after you? And you ever notice bullies tend to be like bigger than you? Isn't that the truth? They are the ones who blaspheme, who always speak out because you are common. Isn't it funny that a bully will always tell you that you are inadequate? Don't you remember that in high school? If you were, well, maybe not some of you guys. Well, you're in a locker room and you're kind of skinny and there's always this big bully who's saying that you're inadequate. You can't do that. You didn't have those people. Man, I'm seeking the wrong TV. I grew up in the 80s, baby. 80s didn't have no place. You run to the, the office and go, he's bothering me. Well, let's have a meeting. <laughs> like, no, the 80s wasn't like that. The 80s, like you got, you got beat up. A lot of times you got beat up by the bullies. There wasn't a lot of voice to speak against the bullies. There was always people making fun of somebody. Don't you remember those times, you 80s people? Don't you remember that's when yo mama jokes were made and people would say the craziest things and you would tell like, oh, that don't bother me, that don't bother me, and it would go deep. You remember those times. That's why you need to get healing sometimes because God will take care of your bullies and you got to take care of your heart. That's why you go, God, heal me. If, if words have transformed you and have and discouraged you, he uses you because you are you. There, he don't look at the flesh. He don't look at the outside. He looks at the what? The heart. 
God is always looking for the person with the heart. Not the one who's bad. I can do this. He always looks for the one. Look at Gideon. Remember Gideon? Gideon was hiding. And an angel came and said, Mighty man of valor, get up! Don't you remember when Gideon had an army? Remember the army and he had to battle? And he had all these thousands of people. And God said, march them. And Gideon marched his army. Remember the story? And he marched them in the valley. And all of a sudden they got, they were, this is, and God said, it's too many. And you're like, what? It's too many? You know how many people we're going to be fighting? It's too many. March them. And then God's speaking to him. He goes, now, the ones that lap like a dog, they're out of the army. It said that they got so hot whenever they went to the, the creek, they ran down and started going... <laughs> Like dogs, it says. And God said, those are not the one to take. Army goes, ooh. And God says, just take the ones that simply stop, go like this, and take their hand to the water, to their mouth. And you know the practical thing? See, that's why God is so practical. Because God used 300 people that it wasn't all about them, about themselves. It was about the what? The family. They would take their water, drink, and their eyes were always watching the horizon. And God was like, those are the people to use. 300? And we're not talking about 300 the movie where you're like, Wah! we're talking about 300 to where you're facing this huge nation. God always takes it and goes, rump, rump, rump. That's the funny thing about discouragement. You ever notice that your biggest critics will always try to discourage? Well, I only saw like 20 people. What are you talking about? You only saw 20 people. Are you drunk? Well, I only saw 20 people. And you're supposed to be the person of faith. By God, God's going to do great things, but I only saw 20 people. I told Margaret, I told Dean today. I said, Dean, he said, I love you. I said, I love you, Dean. He said, be praying for me this Friday because I got some prayer needs. And I'm like, I will, brother. And I said, Dean, you remember when we were in the movie theater? Remember when we were in the movie theater? There was like four of us. And we would go, Margaret's getting ready to cry. We'd go and look out and see four cars. I would ask the people who come to help us to move those cars out in the front so we would have more than 10 cars. It was a church plant, people. And you be careful to discredit and have your standard of measurement because if God boils it down to the people, it only takes one that has the heart to bring revival. You want to wait for the crew? Well, we're praying the harvest. You go and get the harvest, baby. Where have you twisted your thinking that it is about, it's about a movement of God, and it's, I'll go to a church of 3,000 people. That's God moving. That's God moving. Well, if He's not moving in you, no matter where you go, if you go there, you'll make it go down to 30 people. You better be careful. Be ye careful. God works in wrong numbers, brother. No, it's on faithfulness. Shame on you to measure something. God said to David, shame on you. Discourage your people. Shame. That's sad. I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> Goes on, these were perilous times. Well, Pastor Lee, that's uncalled for. No, it wasn't. It was truth. Unless God's going to do something in a city and a people, you better get your heart where it needs to be. Amen. Amen. I'll move on to that. Shamgar, that was his, his profile. He uses, God uses the basic people. What are the odds? No training, no state-of-the-art weaponry. 600 to 1. Now guess what Shamgar's weapon is? Just like you, the weapon that you possess isn't what you want. Shamgar, listen to this, he had an ox code. Do you know what an ox code is? It is a four-foot stick with a little wooden point. That's what it is. A four to six foot stick and an ox goad is exactly what it says. It's an ox and you goad. You ever heard of a goad? Remember in the New Testament, all of a sudden Paul falls down. Doesn't fall from a horse. He falls down. He's blind and Jesus appears. The Apostle Paul saw Jesus. He didn't see a vision. He saw Jesus. Jesus appeared to the Apostle Paul and he says, he says to Paul, he says, Saul, why do you kick against the what? The goads. What the goads is in a gourd. What it is is like when you're poking an animal, an animal will go like this. <laughs> like if you're poking a horse, if you poke it hard enough, that horse is going to go and try to kick you. 
It's trying to resist. God was saying, Saul, why are you resisting the gospel? Why are you resisting me? Do you not know that it's me? Because Paul was what? Killing believers. He was killing and thinking he was doing right. And God was questioning his heart. Why do you kick against the goads? A goad is a wooden stick that you use to prod animals to go a certain way. So an ox goad is what exactly it is. A stick that you use to poke an ox. An ox, would they'd put them into twos. They would put the oxen yoke on them. And then they would plow. They had a wooden thing. They'd put their foot on it and they would have a goad. And when those animals did not want to move, they would poke them in the rump. And then they would move and then they would set that plow into the dirt. It would go deep. And after they would stop the animal, they would use the goad to scrape the plow. They would use the goad to push and to prod the animal. So if you're facing 600... And God tells you, you mighty man of Allard, I'm going to use you in great ways. I want you to eliminate the enemy. And you're like, oh, that sounds awesome. It's going to be great. AK-47? No. Four-foot wooden stick. <laughs> you remember going and getting your switch? See, that's the 80s babies. Y'all, y'all millennials and young people? Like I told my kids, I was like, we didn't have weapons. We had killings. When we got off the bus and walked home, it was a law in the South that every neighbor, if they found out, they could whip you as you went home. (laughs) I mean, it was intense and you would get in trouble. And your parents, it's the craziest thing. I think back when my grandfather, everybody in your family could whip you. Now it's like nobody, only designated family. And then now kids can look and say, I'll call it DSS on you. My mom was like, here, I'll hand you the phone. Like, I'll dial the number. And my mom and my grandparents, I'd get in trouble with my grandparents. I remember getting in trouble for stupid stuff. I would go out, and I would get these old branches off the tree, and I remember going, like a machine gun, and I remember my grandfather on the porch snapping beans. He'd snap beans, and they'd pull the little strings. Snap, 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 snap. And I'd go, like, you're dead, Grandpa. He'd jump off that stool and come and whip me in the front yard. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He goes, you don't know what it is to see men die in the trenches in war, too. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) We didn't pull a gun and go, pow, pow. We didn't joke around. That wasn't joking when we were kids. And so they would, you would get in trouble. And my grandfather would hand me a knife. And tell me to go cut my own switch. First of all, I thought, that's kind of illogical. Why are you handing me a knife, you know, to go cut my own switch? And I would go, and there would be this willow tree. They love to use willow branches. And that tree to this day, when it's still in my grandparents' yard, the house is gone. They left that tree, and every time I drive by there, I just shudder. Because I see that tree. Oh, God. Oh, my legs are like, ah, like I'm telling you. And we would cut a willow branch, and I'd bring it back in, and it was like this big. And they'd be like, you better go cut a different one. And we would go, and the rule was that it'd be the size of your pinky, and I'd go cut one the size of my pinky. And that's basically what a goad was. It wasn't like some great weapon. It was basically a four-foot stick, less the size of your pinky, and it was just sharp on one end just to poke. And if you ever poke something and there's a bow to it, you want it to have a bow to it when you're poking an animal because you don't want to hurt the animal. So all of a sudden now the odds are stacked against Shamgar, and God's told him to use an ox code. It's a four-foot wooden stick that bends with a point on it. Like in my mind, that is just crazy. How could you kill 600 people with a switch. See, that's the great, greatest thing. The, the ox goat is an unlikely tool used for victory. See, God will give you this because not until he was under attack did he discover his fullest potential. So it wasn't in the weapon. It wasn't in like what God was arming him. It was God wanted to see his what? Fullest potential. The situation that you're in today, listen, with the odds stacked against you, even with the odds stacked against you for the coronavirus, they'll tell you the odds. Every time you look, you're always looking to see how many people died and how many people got it. You can go to websites all over the place and see the numbers keep going. Deaths. Old people. All the old people shudder. All the big people go, ah. All the young people are like, yay, we'll live. 
But the truth be known, you see all these odds are against you. But you got to understand that there is what? Potential in you to believe by faith that God's going to watch over you and your family and also to deliver our nation and use it as a way, what? For you to tell people about Jesus. What is the worst thing that could happen if you got it? <gasps> and all of a sudden you're like, this is awesome! <laughs> like, can you imagine to some degree, where is your fear of death? You should not fear death. You hear what I'm saying? Use wisdom, but don't use fear to the point to where it's, it's the end. What is the worst case scenario? There is potential in you. God uses the craziest situations to show his faithfulness. So he was faced a situation, 600. Now listen, this is what great thing about Bible scholars. Bible scholars believe that he didn't hide out. See, because the scripture is just one scripture. I just preached on one scripture. I don't like just to preach on one scripture. I like a chapter. Chapters are awesome. It's expository. I love the expository on the scripture. That's what I love to do. Teach New Testament. I mean, uh, hermeneutics. I mean, I love to teach. That's one of those things. I just, uh, even those years, remember, that's all I did was teach. I would go to the rescue mission and teach. I was in classes. I was like, I love this. And this one scripture, the reason it's such one scripture isn't that, that it was some elaborate story that Shamgar hid in the, he hid in the weeds. And one of the enemy walked by. Shambar jumped out and was like, and then he hid back in the weeds. No, it meant there was, an, it, there was a, a get down time. <laughs> there was a battle where 600 people came and Shamgar standing there with a switch. And then all of a sudden in one blink of an eye, could you see it like, and Shamgar standing there with a switch. And there's all these people dead. <laughs> I know that does sound funny to you. I'm from the 80s, baby. <laughs> all of a sudden, he's standing there. You talk about victory. Isn't that the craziest thing? That there was potential that God had a reason for this is to show two things. That God is for Shamgar and that God has the potential for Shamgar to be victorious because of what? The, the threat that Shamgar has against him. That God is going to be faithful if you have a threat, if the odds are against you, God is faithful to, to what? To help you through this process in victory. There is three parts that are the mystery in closing. Listen to this about Shamgar. Number one, he started where, start where, you're, where you are. Shamgar where he started where he was. He wasn't from a powerful position. He didn't have prestige. He didn't have influence. He wasn't famous. He wasn't wealthy. But he did what... More, what listen, he, he didn't wait for more opportunity time or more opportune time. He didn't wait until things got better. He started, listen, where he was. Start where you're at. If the odds are against you, start where you're at. If the odds at work and they're saying, we're thinking about not giving you the promotion, start where you're at. Be faithful. Do what needs to be done. Wait. I met with a young man this week. He's one of our uh, up and rising guys that just have leadership preaching all over his life. And I asked him, I said, is it kind of tough in the situation you're right now and the opportunity because of how your life has changed in this season that right now God's just trying to get your life where it needs to be? And I was like, are you struggling with it not being where you're at, where you need to be? And he says, you know, I'm just going to be faithful because I know what? God is doing something. Those are the people you want for leadership. You don't want the people, oh, I've got so much prestige. You need me for leadership. I can tell you how to run this church. Remember, I saw only 20 people there. No, you need those ones that are faithful. Start where you are. Start where you are. If you can't, if you can't do something, be honest, be transparent, be vulnerable, and say, let's work towards the process. Number two, use what you have. An ox code. I would have told God, I don't want to switch. I want an M16. I want something because I'm scared. I don't want this little wimpy thing. I don't want somebody at Access Church reading about my life. Wouldn't, isn't that a great name? My name's Lee. But Shamgar? Isn't that awesome what your name's Shamgar? That's better than Louis. You know my real name's Louis? Louis Lee. 
That's like curly Q. <laughs> now you understand why I used to get picked on when I was in grade school. Louis Lee! Louis! And for years, Louis, Louis. Uh-oh. I'm like, I'm going to sock you now. Oh, oh, no. So he used what he had. He had what? An ox code. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a spear. But he had what he needed. Guess what, folks? You have everything that you're in need of for the odds against you. Don't think, well, if I go here, if I get more money, if I get more education, if I get more hand sanitizer, or what all this, guess what? You have what you need, which is Jesus. He's in your corner. Passion and enthusiasm. Do you know what enthusiasm? means in the Latin it means in theos which means in God so enthusiasm Shamgar demonstrated this by 600 enemy warriors he defeated them with what with passion can you imagine that's what got him passion boy I can see Shamgar whipping that he what he used what he had the last secret that Shamgar had just like when the odds are against you Because in the next couple weeks, you'll see how many odds were against Jesus. Next week, Jesus, the odds were so stacked against him. Next week, we're going to be talking about when Jesus was led to court. I don't know if you've ever been to court with somebody or been at court. You have a lawyer, and a lot of times you can't say nothing. Jesus had nobody to defend him. But yet he was what? Innocent. And he was proven innocent. That's, man... That's when the odds are against you. Listen to the third part in this closing. Do what you can do. The first and most powerful thing that you can do is what? To pray. See, that's what's awesome. What can we do about this coronavirus? Number one, listen, we can do everything. We did the buckets this morning for you. We even got you the little plastic things to where probably somebody even with rubber gloves put them in the little thing. We'll do everything we can do. But the greatest thing that we can do is what? Pray. You want to see this nation change? You pray. You want to see your loved one be saved? Well, I'm going to give him, I'm going to tell him about you and you can evangelize to him and give him a, hey, big dummy, Jesus loves you. No, 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 no. The number one thing is, it's not the person or the, it is what? Prayer. That's why we're praying this week. Come with us. Well, what if it, what if it hits 100 people? If it hits 100 people, we'll have 100 over there and 100 here. And they'll use, we'll use a clicker. We'll do everything we can do. But we'll what? We'll pray. This is what we can do. We can pray. Number two, listen, is focus. Focus, focus, focus. Focus in the beginning is what? Energy. When you focus, you get energized. Get focused on the vision of what? Listen, what God has and He wants you to accomplish. He doesn't want you to look back. Listen to me. He doesn't want you to look back at the odds are against you. Stop looking back at the odds against you. Well, you don't understand. I've had two or three marriages. Listen, give me five minutes. You've got plenty of time. Some of you guys going home to eat. Listen, some people, some people are like, you don't understand the odds. I've been divorced two times. And the odds are against me that if I get married a third time. Or what about a fourth time? What about a fifth time? Come on. Come on, you just don't look back. Number three, listen, is you don't give up. Successful people, listen, begin with their success. And when they, they just don't let go, they don't give up. No matter what happens, listen, no matter what happens, don't give up. You know, I thought about this. It don't matter if it is Margaret, Dean, And a handful of us back at the theater. When God's got a call, He'll provide it, He'll keep it, and it'll come to pass. You don't give up. There's something worth what? Fighting for. Fight against the odds. Be one of those people who say, I broke the odds. I showed, I showed you guys that, hey, not to give up. Your kids want you to see that you never give up. You don't understand, you don't understand. You know, like, I post about my business. I'm an entrepreneur and I post about my business. I post about my business. I post about my business. And if you listen to the entrepreneurs, even like Gary Vee said, it doesn't matter. You just keep posting and posting and posting. And when people look at your post and say, you know, that, that, that's never going to happen for them. And look and look and look. And I get tired of their posts and everything. Just keep on posting, baby. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. 
If you have to use words, use words, but preach the gospel in your life. Number four, never give up, never stop trying, listen, and never stop trusting God. Don't allow discouragement or doubt to ever overtake you. Listen to me, people. Don't let that stuff to overtake you. Listen, worry looks around, but victory always looks what? Up. Look around around you. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I just saw that there's, a, there's 15 people in the Asheville. Possibly it could be coronavirus. And just keep looking up and saying, God, I just trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. When things get tough, listen, and there doesn't seem to be a way out, stand up, look up, believe God, and keep going. You're not finished, listen, until you quit. So you're not going to quit, and we're not going to quit as a nation, and we're going to reach people for Jesus, and we're going to love people, and we too, listen, this will pass. And God will use this for a great thing. The situations that you're in in your life, the situations we're corporately together as a nation, God will always win. Do you hear what I'm saying? He is the ultimate. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the most high. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. I just thank you for encouraging your people, God, that no matter the person here today, they'll always be faced odds that are against them. If it's something about their person, it's against their, how they look or how much they weigh or while any of this craziness that we call life. There's always some type of odds that are against us. And let us always understand that, God, you are king of our lives. You're Lord of lords and you're king of kings. And that all that matters is our relationship with you, that you get us through these situations. Count it all joy when we go through trials and tribulations. Not we celebrate in the trials, but we celebrate in the victory of the obedience that we have for you. That you always meet us at the end, and it's always victorious. Death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your still death? Where is your sting? Where grave, where is your victory? It has all been defeated. Father, I just thank you for these group of people. I thank you for doing great things in their hearts and their lives. Again, continue to put a hedge of protection around them. Protect their homes, protect their families. God, bring us together as we pray for our nation the next couple of weeks. God, I pray that you would do great things. Use it to revive your nation. God, I thank you for doing miraculous things in our lives, miracles. And I just pray as we evangelize that we'd see many people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. If you're here without anyone looking around, nobody looking around, if you're here this morning and you would say that you don't know Jesus in this person, Lord and Savior, you don't know him as your Savior, you never made an opportunity to ask him into your life, but you just know that there's something that's just gnawing in you that you just need to, to decide today that you need to ask him to come in your life. If that's, if that's you, just simply raise your hand if that's you without anyone looking around. If that's you today. Amen. Father, be with your people as we leave. Father, I just thank you for just blessing us and encourage us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys and we'll see you next week or we'll let you know.